Welcome to Worship at Grace Lake, and this service was recorded on May 22nd, 2022. Pastor Rem Dias continues the Mark series with a gospel message from Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20, titled, Check the Soil. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praises and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you
But if you have your worship guide, you can go ahead and grab it. We uh, come to a time of renewal, uh, read scripture, and again, if you never read scripture, you're like, what? It reads us. It exposes us. Right? It, it brings us to repentance. And if you if you if you're always reading scripture and uh, it's not changing you, you might be reading it wrong. So that's what this time is—a time of just reading and confession. So James four, James four uh, eight through ten says this: Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. That's a promise, by the way. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and He will exalt you. So that's what we're going to do right now. Can we do that together as a body? We're just going to take a time of silent prayer and confession. We're humbling ourselves before the Lord. So let's take that time of silent prayer.
Well, how are we doing? Okay, one person's doing good this morning. How are we doing? Good. Okay. Well, this is uh, this is awesome. We get to celebrate a baptism uh, this morning. Uh, so we're going to baptize Ryder Nash Brady in just a second. I'll invite you guys up. Uh, but before we do, uh, this is the first baptism that I have officiated since I've been here. Uh, and EPC uh, is, is amazing. Our, our motto, um, if you go to the EPC website, you can see that the motto is this. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity. So in the EPC, um, we allow members to hold two different views of baptism, um, which is really awesome. Because a lot of a lot of denominations split over over this, uh, so we, we we affirm believer baptism and we love believer baptism. We celebrate believer baptism, but we also affirm and believe in the biblical uh, practice of infant baptism. Um, but with that, I think we have to define some of what infant baptism is and what it isn't. So um, we're gonna give you two sermons. This morning, so aren't you glad you came to church? So yeah, you might as well just hang in. Hopefully, you got something in the crock pot, and you don't have plans today. All right, um, but uh, no, it's okay. I, I do want to read a couple of texts. I do want to do a couple of things before we invite the Rangies up. So the first question I have is: Do we believe this baptism will save Ryder eternally? No. No. Do we believe that this baptism will guarantee uh, salvation for writer in the future? No. <laughs> no. That's, uh, th those are, are clear. That that's not what we believe in infant baptism. But what do we believe in infant baptism? If those are no, what do we believe? Well, we believe in the amazing testimony that infant baptism is this beautiful sign and seal of the covenant of grace. So our God works in covenants. Our God, all throughout Scripture, works through these covenants. And in fact, what is covenant? Promises. These amazing promises that He pursues. You, you see it all throughout Scripture. Our God is always pursuing people. He's the one pursuing them, not people pursuing Him. And so you see in the beginning in Genesis where God pursued Abraham. He pursued Abraham and He said, I'm going to make you a great nation. And, you know, Abraham is justified by faith alone. It wasn't by works. He was, he was justified by faith in that moment. And so then God gives Abraham this amazing, um, and the whole nation of Israel, they, he gives them circumcision as this sign, as this seal that all of God's promises are for them. And that they are good. And, that, and this was for, for every young male boy. And so we, we, we see that, but then we fast forward, so you're like, well, it was such a big deal. Circumcision was such a big deal in the Old Testament. What? What, what, what happened to it in the New? Because we know when the New Covenant came, grace expounds even more. And so Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, 11 through 12 says this, that in Him, in Him also, you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ 
That phrase, the circumcision of Christ, is talking about baptism, having been buried with him in a baptism, which you were also raised with him through faith in the wonderful working of God who raises him from the dead. So he just made the link between circumcision in the Old Testament and baptism in the New Saying that this baptism now has been, this circumcision has been replaced with baptism. And it, what's really amazing is that it's fuller. Some people like, well, it was, it was only for the males. Circumcision was only for the males. And that's why, so the link is not there, but grace is astounding even more. So we're saying it's even more now for all, male and female. And then, hang with me, Acts. Acts chapter 2, 38 to 39 says this. After Peter just gives this amazing sermon, he says this, Repent and believe, I mean repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, every, everyone, hold the Lord our God calls to himself. So you have all throughout the New Testament, you see this in Acts 16, you know, that households were bringing, that whole households were being baptized. And so the promise, this promise is for the children. One of my, one of my, uh, and, and Rage, you can make your way up here as I give this illustration. Um, one, of, one of my favorite movies, kids, is Toy Story. Any Toy Story fans in here? Okay. Toy Story. You're like, Toy Story and baptism. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay? But, uh, Woody, alright? Woody has, what is, what is Woody's most prized and he just, he just loves this one thing about who Woody is. Remember, what's on the bottom of his boot? Come on, you come on in here. Yeah, get in here. What's on the bottom of uh, Woody's boot? And his name. His name. Andy's name. So it's this uh, this this sign, this seal that okay, Woody belongs to Andy. Woody belongs to Andy. He, he and the whole rest of the movie, you see that Woody is is functioning out of his identity of oh, I am marked and sealed by Andy. And so what infant baptism does. With the covenant of grace, what we're saying in infant baptism is the gospel. He pursues us. He pursues us. And that, as we put water on, there's nothing magical about this water. This is not some sentiment. This is just a way of saying that God is pursuing writer. And that all the promises of Jesus are His. And for Him to walk into and that his only hope in life and death is that he belongs to Jesus. And you guys, and, and, and pouring into him the scriptures and us as a community of faith, we will do everything in our realm possible to show him Jesus. Amen? Sermon's over. You guys are ready for some questions. All right. You look awesome, dude. Look at you. Okay, I got some questions for you too, so don't fall asleep. I love the questions. Here we go. You guys ready? 
Selah. Here we go. Brethren, do you acknowledge Ryder's need of the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ and the renewing grace of the Holy Spirit? Do you claim God's covenant promises and benefits for the Ryder? And by faith, do you look to the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of your child as you do your own? Do you now undeservedly give your child to God? And you promise by relying on God's power and grace through the Holy Spirit to live an exemplary life before your child. These aren't easy questions. Do you commit yourself to pray with and for your child to teach your child the scriptures and the great articles of our faith in Jesus Christ? Do you promise to use every means provided by God and give faithful participation in the life of the church to bring your child up in the loving discipline of the Lord? Amen. Alright, it's your turn. Alright? You can respond with, we do. Okay, we just practice it. Alright? Good job. Do you, faith, family, and friends, acting for yourselves and in in behalf of the whole body of Christ, assume responsibility with these parents for the spiritual nurture of this child. Okay, I'm going to hold you to it. Do you commit yourself to set a godly example before this child to provide, as far as you are able, all that is necessary to the end that this child may one day confess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? Amen. You ready, my man? We're going to duck you. All right. All right. Come here, my man. Look at you. Gosh. Amen. All right. Writer Nash Ramey. I baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you for this amazing child. Oh Jesus, we thank you that you pursue us. You pursue us. And we thank you that, uh, Father, for this amazing sign and symbol of the covenant of grace that you've given us. Lord, I pray that writer would walk into all the promises available to him in you, Jesus. I pray that you would use the family, the church, creation, your word, to stir in this young man. This young boy, Lord, bring him to faith. Lord, let him be a warrior for you. God, let him uh, just love and delight in you. And Lord, we are so thankful that we get to walk around, walk life with him. And Lord, we are so thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. Dude, you just want to hang up here with me? Yeah, let's go. So fun. All right, here we go. All right, let's give God a hand for that. Uh, you know, uh, when we do baptisms too, we are um, uh, it's 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 the cause to remember our own baptism as well. Uh, and so I would encourage you guys. As you, as you just saw that, again, that baptism is God pursuing us. And I'd also call you, if, if you haven't been baptized, um, and you are a believer, and you haven't been baptized, 
get baptized. Come talk to me. Um, and let's let's do it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I'm calling you to that as well. Well, amen. Well, if you have your scriptures, go to Acts. Oh, my goodness, Acts. Don't go to Acts. Go to Mark. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 is where we're going to be at. Um, and uh, we are going to look at 20 verses this morning. So, oh my goodness, we, let's get at it. So Mark chapter 4, 1 through 20. It's on the screen. And here we go. I'm just going to drive right in. Again, he began to teach them beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him. So that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was be beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things and parables. And his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell among the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Another seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand. Least they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they said, and, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulations and persecutions arise on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown in the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. Woo! Amen. There is a lot there. We're going to get to it. But I'm titling this message Check the Soil. Check the soil. Turn your neighbor and say, check the soil. Turn your other neighbor and say, it's a little dry. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this word. 
I am not worthy to stand up here and proclaim it. Lord, I am, a, I am just desperate. Lord, let this be just like a mirror this morning. Um, like the words I say, and as we look at the text and, and do an illustration and application, that all of it would be used to just mirror and, and point to your glory. We don't want to sit here this morning as I'm preaching this. I understand that right even now, it would be a miracle. And I am praying for the miracle of hearing for good soil this morning. That the word will go forth on soil that is good. And we go deep. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, words uh, is becoming like one of our favorite things to do in the garden. Okay? Uh, so our kids kind of treat it like a mini zoo. Alright? So if you don't go to wards, if you've never been to wards, go to wards. There's lizards and all kinds of snakes and reptiles. And, and we always make all the people nervous in wards. Okay? We just do. We just, we are present in wards. Well, we went to wards this last week and we to buy some flowers. Okay? Because... Um, that's what you do in spring, I guess. And, and so, go buy some flowers, and it was just crazy. I got these flowers black, and I got the shovel, and, and, and I'm, I'm digging, okay? I'm digging into this western Kansas soil, all right, in the front yard. And it was amazing to me how different the soils were. And I, I'm not making this up to like, well, I can make something like that, prove it. Uh, an introduction. No, I mean, every, every single scoop for flower, every, the soil seemed different. The first one was what I would expect. Okay? Dug and then it was just dry. Oh my gosh, nothing is going right here. Just dry. And then the next soil I did, I, I pulled in. There's some rocks in it, but then there was like all that cloth that they put, you know, lay down from past time. There's all this cloth in there. And then the next one I went and I dug in. I was like, that is where our stray cat has been using the litter box. That's the stray cat's litter box hole. This is it. This is disgusting. I mean, this is gross. Uh, but then the next one I got to, and I put in this one, it was good, rich soil. I was like, I mean, of course, like, this is amazing soil. Like, it's just like rich and moist. And this is amazing. And I'm not a soil expert, Chad. Okay? I'm not, and I didn't, like, I didn't even put the, you know, buy the, you actually buy soil and put it in the good. Like, I didn't even do that. Whatever. You know, I didn't do it. Uh, but I plant, like, it's been amazing to me watching these plants. I do feel like that in perfect, but watching where we planted these plants in the good soil, what has happened? Like, those flowers seem to me to be doing better than some of the rest of, of these flowers. And I could not help but think of this passage, of course, because, you know, in your Bible, the, head, the headings there, um, you know, you have these black headings, by the way, though, that's not inspired scripture. Okay, those headings were scholars who thought, oh, we should put a heading here. That was an ancient scripture that's not inspired. And so I think it's getting it wrong. It says the parable of the sower. I think it should be the parable of the soils. Okay, and you know, the ESV have not contacted me yet for my opinion, but when they do, uh, I would let them know. Um, and, but because it's, I mean, this passage is all, I mean, Jesus is just screaming out, okay, check the soil. 
It's about these, these soils and what he is saying. The main thing you need to understand what he is saying is very important how you and I hear the word. How we receive the word. And when he says word, by the way, in this passage, it's talking about really, when you boil it really down, it's talking about the good news of the gospel. The, the scripture, the, Jesus, he's really talking about that. And it's, he's basically, this is what he's saying right here. There are some who are going to hear. <laughs> Sorry. And then there are that some that will hear. And the, 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 the ones that receive it on good hearts, they're going to produce this amazing fruit. And so, I want to ask a couple of questions as we dive into this passage. And the first thing I, we've got to see is this. Why Jesus even told this parable. And what parables are. So we're going to look at that. And then we're going to look at what are four ways we hear the word. What are four different, you could say it like this, what are four different soils? I really believe Jesus is getting at four different soils of the heart. So the first thing you need to see is why Jesus told this parable. But to catch you up to speed, verses 1 and 2, Jesus again, these are transitional verses. Jesus again, his ministry is, is booming and he's in this floating pulpit. Alright, these are my pastor goals. Again, one, be amazing in a boat preaching. So he's in a boat preaching, uh, and he just got, again, last week we talked about these accusations from the scribes and the family. Okay, and so now with that in mind, these accusations in mind, he's going to now tell a parable. Okay, and so in verses 3 and 9, uh, Jesus gives the parable. Okay? And we're really not going to center in on that because this is so cool what Jesus does. Jesus writes a, he writes a commentary on this parable. He writes a commentary. <laughs> Literally, that's what 13 and 20 are all about. He just writes this, this amazing commentary. But the one thing I want you to see in the section, verses 3 and 9, is starting at verse 3, he says, listen. And then at verse 9, he says, he who has an ear, let him hear. Everybody say hear. It all depends on how you hear. And this might sound confusing. We're going to kind of unpack it. You can hear Jesus and not truly hear him. Huh. Like what? What does that mean? You can sit under the word and it doesn't take root. And, and, and so that's what he's kind of getting at. And then he says this. He gets done telling this parable. And in verse 10, disciples are coming to him and they're like, uh, can, you, can you kind of help us out? And then he says this in verse 10. To you has been given the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parable so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand, least they should turn and be forgiven. Has anybody ever read that? Like, what? That is like, what? Jesus? Like, nice. Well, here, okay, first off, what is a parable? A parable is this 
earthy story that conveys a moral, spiritual principle or point. It's meant to stir and tease out thought. But even more, um, we need to see this. Parables are to disclose the, it says right in the text, this, they, this, they disclose the secrets of the kingdom of God. And you can notice in the text, it says for those outside, for those outside, everything is in parables. Here's what Jesus is doing. Okay, now you got to pay attention. This is, he's using, and then he's going to quote, you see the quotes in there, he's going to quote Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6 is in the background, and with that in the background, and Isaiah 6 is this amazing passage it's just of pending judgment for people that are hard-hearted. So what Jesus is saying here, you gotta get this. Parables are like a filter. They 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 sit those who are truly sovereignly under God, who He's revealed Himself to, and those that just are hearted. You have to see something here, and you have to wonder, like, oh my goodness, Jesus has said He's going to reveal Himself, and then there's others that maybe just. Don't get it. And it's, and I think of it like this. It's like, um, you ever been to an art studio? I know we have tons of them here in Western Kansas. Um, but, you know, there's this, you go to these art uh, studios and you look at a painting. I don't know if you've ever been at a painting. And it's like, imagine looking at this amazing painting and someone says, oh, isn't that powerful? Isn't that beautiful? Look at that. You know, the, the reds highlight this and, and the stroke. And, and you're sitting there and you're like, uh-huh. Uh-uh. Nope. Don't see it. Like, it uh, looks like my five-year-old could have done that. And the ones who get it are on the inside. <laughs> the ones who know, they're on the outside. I, I'm just preaching the Bible. Don't shoot the messenger. This is just what Jesus is saying. He is saying, hey, I'm going to... The parables, by the way, are going to shift people. They're going to, they're going to be a filter. Those who get it, they get it because God has revealed it. Those who don't, they're hard-hearted. They're, they don't get it. And I have read this passage so many times. Listen, and I've always wondered, has anybody else done this? What story am I? Oh my gosh. I mean, be honest. Have you ever read this? Like, oh my gosh. What story am I? And you dance around and you're so nervous. Well, my seminary professor blew my mind on this passage. He's like, listen, if your heart has ever wondered and stirred in you, I wonder what kind of soil am I? And what would it look like if I was the good soil? He says, take a deep breath, because do you understand the parable in that moment? Yes. Yes, so that means you have good soil. <laughs> take a breath. But we need to be careful here too, because that doesn't mean we don't apply the rest of the passage. It doesn't mean we don't look at the way. Listen, I don't know about you, but I want to be a fruitful Christian. I want, I want continual spiritual vitality booming out of me. And so I want to take very carefully, as we look at these four soils, these four soils can choke spiritual vitality. All right? And so let's now dive into these four soils. And we're like, oh my gosh. Four soils, four points. 
it's crazy. You didn't do a baptism, but it's okay. We were quick. Um, so, the first soil that we need to see, the first type of heart. When I say soil, I mean heart. The first type of heart is the heart of The heart of And you see this because of the path. The path. So, notice um, verse 13, the disciples, even there, they're kind of struggling, and Jesus is patient with them. He's like, okay, okay, let me, again, let me tell you what's about. And then um, he says, okay, the sower. We have to define some things. So the sower, everybody know who the sower is? This is, this is God, more specifically, this is Jesus. And again, he's, the seed is the word. Okay, he's up, he's sowing the word. This is the gospel. This is what Jesus is doing. And then, okay, you read this. And he's, and you think, man, the sower is really bad farmer. <laughs> he's just throwing the seed out. Like ain't nobody don't let me get the get John Deere out, hook up the plows, get the ground up. Right? Farmers, where you at? Gosh, I'm gonna say, okay. So anyway, he's, he's out there, and this is broad. This is this is what's called a broadcast sowing. So in the ancient time, farmers would have these long, narrow stream of fields that were divided by uh, these paths. Okay, so imagine this long, it's kind of like your, your backyard garden, and he would walk on these paths and he would just throw out seed. And he's saying some of this seed that he's throwing out is actually going to fall on this path that everyone's walking on. It's hard, it's like concrete, and it's just hitting, and it's not going anywhere. And one thing you need to notice in the progression of these soils is this. It goes from really, really, really bad and no depth to a little more depth, a little better, a little more depth, a little better. But you have to see right here that this seed is taking no root. It is not falling down at all. This part hears. This is like the heart that hears the word. Listen. It's, they hear the word, they hear the preached word, and it goes nowhere. Immediately, Satan is blocking it or just hardening, and it doesn't get anywhere. They're uninterested. It's like that number that calls me, and I don't know who it is, I pick it up, and there's a long pause, and I hear, hello, Mr. Diaz. I'm like, oh, no. Never should have answered it. They're like, hey, it's so-and-so from blah, 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 blah. And then I share the gospel form. I talk to him forever. He's like, no. I say, oh, my name's Jen. Hang up. That's what this is like. This is like this heart that just, they hear it, and then it's just gone. Listen, I want you to know, Satan will do everything possible for you not to hear the word of God. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, think about the spiritual warfare that breaks out on Sunday morning. I'm being serious in a way. I'm kind of like, you know, oh, I mean, you get here and you, you know, it's like you got all this stuff going on. Then you finally get here. Listen, everything in like he is going to want you to get your mind on the game, get your mind on lunch, get your mind on something this week and do everything possible for you to come in here, hear it and it's not interesting. This is the path of the hard heart. It immediately rejects it. Deuteronomy 32, 47. I love what, what Moses says here. He says, these, 
They are, he's talking about the word. They are not just idle words for you. They are your life. These are not just idle words. These are life. And so that's the hard heart. The shallow heart, this is the, the, the soil, the rocky soil. In verse 16, the rocky ground. It didn't have much soil, and it immediately springs up. Okay? It springs up fast, so it gets a little deeper, and it's scorched. And verse 16 says that these are those who receive the word with joy, and receive it with joy, they endure for a little while, but then what happens? Tribulation, persecution, and they immediately fall away. This is the shallow heart. Tony Madeira, who is a great scholar, says this is the firecracker faith. It starts excited and then fizzles and dies. As a youth pastor, I saw this a lot. Like, I love conferences. I love youth camps. I love mission trips. Okay? But let me tell you something. I saw a lot of, like, oh, weeping and hollering and whatnot at the last night of a conference. And then two weeks later, a month later, J.D. Greer, who I was listening to, uh, I love this pastor, he was talking about a story. He was out playing basketball with this guy, and he said, you know, I wasn't trying to judge him or look down, but this guy had more piercings, you know, more things on his face than the tackle box. I mean, he just like, and he just was this gnarly-looking guy. And so J.D. Greer starts sharing the gospel with him, and the guy's like, he grabs a basketball, and he's like, you trying to witness to me? He's like, he's like, what are you, some type of Baptist? And... <laughs> He's laughing because he is. And, and, and he, he says, he starts, this guy starts saying, I'm like, you know, I, he just starts talking about his life. Like, I'm into all this type of drugs and I'm, I'm, I'm living this crazy life. And, uh, you know, he's, he even said, like, I've even rejected God, but he grabs the basketball and he gets comfortable. He's like, but I'm good because I said the prayer thing. I remember back in the day, I got all excited, and, and I said the prayer, and I'm good, man. I mean, I, I, I got my heart right with the Lord. And J.D. Greer says, no, man, he's like, they don't teach you how to respond to people like this in seminary. And he said, I pulled up this parable in that moment, and I began to read this. And, and J.D. talks about, he says, the proof of faith is not the intensity of the beginning, but the endurance to the end. And it is true. I am a we're reformed faith. We love the, the, the saying, once saved, always saved. Amen. I'll affirm that. I think scripture says it. It's amazing. But it, I think even more, I'm kind of going to, even more, it's a sure sign of true belief is once saved, always following. You're, 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 you're always following. That doesn't mean you don't backslide. Look at David. Look at all the people. I mean, you, there's times and seasons where you struggle, but... That what he's saying in this soil, this heart, is like when tribulation comes, when persecution comes, when the hard time is struggling with the sin, it doesn't drive you further from Christ, it drives you deeper into Christ. And it drives you deeper into his heart. And I also want to say this, as we talk about tribulation and this persecution and people falling away in the midst of it, this Soil, I think, screams the practical application of why the local church is so important. <laughs> because the local church is an army. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, and when we 
face these tribulations in our times, we come together and hold each other up. We straight, we come and say, hey, how can I hold you? And you know, there's times in every one of our lives that sometimes you're just going to need to be carried. And so many of us are like, I don't need to carry it. I'm going to go. And a Christian that's not committed to a local church is a Christian in trouble, deep trouble. A Christian who comes here and says, you know, I'm just going to be shallow. I don't really want to show my real self. I'm just kind of like, you're in trouble. Because life is hard. Situations are hard. It's going to happen. And part of the shallow heart helps you is your hands get lifted. So the shallow heart. And then the distracted heart. This is the one on the phones. In this world, the seed gets a little deeper. So it starts to grow, but the thorns grow around it and choke it out. And verse 18 and 19 says, They hear the word, but the cares of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things, enter in and choke the word. Every respectable pastor I know, every commentator I read on this passage, all of them said, you know, the biggest threat to spiritual vitality for the American church is this soil. It's this soul. And I couldn't agree more because the cares of the world looks like so many different things. They're not necessarily bad things. Sports, bills, house improvements, business appointments, things breaking in your house and you just got to fix them. But these things, they, it's saying it's like they, they kind of take the front seat and obedience and reverence for God take the back seat. Listen, distractions keep people, distractions keep a lot more people from Jesus than doubt does. One, one scholar says, busyness ruins more people than bullets. And he meant that bullets mean like persecution, hardship, like just simply busy, the cares of the world. You're just so involved in the cares of the world that the word is just it's not there. And then he says, even more to unpack what the cares of the world are, he says, the deceitfulness of riches. Money. Money produces a divided heart. You know, there's a funny illustration where it says, uh, the, <clears throat> there's, there's these two uh, couples that are um, in the dating relationship thinking about getting married. One says to the other, says, Darling, I want you to know that I love you more than anything else in the world. I want, I want you to, to marry me. I'm not rich. I don't have a yacht or a Rolls Royce like Johnny Brown. But I do love you with all my heart. She thought for a minute and then replied, I love you with all my heart too. But tell me more about John Brown. <laughs> that is like, when I ever like, put that in there, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm getting like my old pastor and told his corny jokes in the middle But I just saw that, I was like, that is so true. Like, that is what is happening here. That's this idea of deceitfulness of riches. Guys, even Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Like, Jesus talked about money more than he did. He talked a lot about money. 
And we live in a culture, oh my goodness, if, we, if we're not aware of what we're doing with our money, again, he's saying, hey, some of it, some of that distraction, the, just the, the pleasure of putting money on the throne of your heart, your joy is going to go like this. You're always going to be anxious. You're always going to be fueled by the next job thing. And, always, and you're just, and you say, that's not good. So listen, that's not good for you. And then, finally, the, the accepting and fruitful heart, the good soil. This soil is so encouraging, guys. Oh, my goodness. Verse 20. Those that were sown on the good soil are those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. So in short, he's saying good Good soil with a good seed, seed produces good fruit every time. Every time. Again, this verse is saying that you don't change yourself, okay? And then the gospel gets into you. No, it's like the gospel gets into Jesus, the word gets into you, the good soil gets into you, and then it produces this amazing fruit. And I want you to hear the encouraging thing. This was so encouraging me. Maybe it's kind of a new learning with this. Is that how does the fruit grow? I mean, I love it that this is. He's talking about farming. He's talking about seeds. He's he's linking the gospel to a seed. And I mean, the gospel is not. A, he's not saying it's like a hammer or a sword or fire. It's a seed. And it, and you look at a seed. I mean, probably taking a lesson from some of you, but. It starts super small. You know, you plant a, you plant like an acorn. Say you plant an acorn next to the a sidewalk, too close to the sidewalk. And it starts just as an acorn, but over the t- over time, that acorn is going to grow up into this massive oak, which could the roots could come up and get that concrete and pull up that concrete. Because it is such a massive tree. And, and listen, I love it that what John Newton says. He says, remember the growth of a Christian is not like a mushroom, but an oak. Which increases slowly but surely. Many suns and showers and frosts pass upon it before it comes to perfection. And in winter when it seems dead... It is gathering strength at the root. Be humble, watchful, and diligent in the means and endeavor to look through it all to Jesus and he shall be well. Do you look more like Jesus this year than you did five years ago? That he's saying... You, you know, when we, when we, the word falls on your heart, it just, you, you hear it, and it just changes. You, you start to change, and this change, though, yes, it happens in it, but it can, it's going to take time as well. But 30, 60, and 100-fold, this is like amazing, amazing, miraculous growth. The the gospel does produce growth. 
In a Christian, there should be fruit in our lives. We should be producing these things all the time while we're staying under Christ. So in close, I have a couple closing things. This is number one, I want these are just side things. We need to be scattering the seed. And you know what I, what I mean by that is we continue to share the gospel. We, we preach the word. And know all the while, guys, listen, know all the while that some of this seed is just going to fall on rocky ground. Some of the seed's going to fall on different types of soils, but it, let it drive us to encouragement that some seed's going to fall on good soil. But are we scattering the seed? Second, I, I am, what I do here on Sunday morning terrifies me. Can I just say, like, this is like one of the most terrifying, it's just like, because James says that I'm going to be judged even with greater strictness. Okay, because, you know, a mist in the pulpit is a fog in the pews. All right, and so, uh, you know, I, I take this with fear and tremblings of praying and seeking the word to do a miracle in my studies, help my heart to be in there, but you better believe this parable is putting the pressure on you as well. It's saying, pray to be hearers. It's not just a miracle of the preached word, it's a miracle to hear the word. And so as you open your word in the morning and say, God, give me good soil. I'm to hear. As I would just encourage you, maybe do this. I don't care if you walk in 10 minutes late. Maybe you just get your family and say, before we even walk in, everybody grab my hand. This is a new thing. I didn't know this. I thought about it. Grab my hand. Hey, let's just pray that our hearts are good soil this morning. Let's slow down and say, this is amazing. I get to walk in here with other brothers and sisters in Christ, and we get to hear God's voice. We get to actually be in community together. God, would you just help our hearts to be good souls? And then thirdly, and close here. When you read the Bible inductively, meaning you're really trying to get, like, study it, circle common words. And what is a repeated word constantly throughout this parable? Seed. It's the seed. Over and over again, it's the seed, which is the gospel, the word, what Jesus has done. And I couldn't help but think the way Jesus swapped places with these souls. Jesus was assaulted by Satan on your behalf. Jesus ultimately endured persecution and condemnation, the rocky soul, the rocky God. For you. Jesus can take all the ways that you've allowed the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and he says, I've got a better way. I've got actually more joy in store. Those things, yeah, those cares, those are actually some good things, but they're not Lord. I'm Lord. If you make me Lord, I can actually make you enjoy those things in the right context better. Because those things were never meant to bear the weight of your soul. Jesus said, I am the weight of your soul. Jesus is saying, again, look at the seed. Look at 
the gospel. Look at me. Receive me. You know what I'm saying? All of you guys in here. Let me hear. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this passage. And Lord, I, I just pray for this world to be received in good soil. Lord, I pray the miracle of the with the power of the Holy Spirit does. You, you just said it in the text. You, you give insight. And Lord, I'm praying, if you're using the liturgy, the baptism, the worship, this, this preaching of your word, and the Spirit is convicting hearts this morning. If the Spirit is moving in, and, and, and some are hearing and saying, oh my goodness, Jesus desires a relationship with me. He loves me. He delights in me, Lord. I pray that that seed would soil. They would receive. They would hear. You would do the miracle. They would respond. You would give our people a response and faith in, I'm surrendering. I'm delighting in, in, in what Jesus has done on my behalf. And Father, thank you. Help us to continually be people that pray for hearts that receive continually. Your see your word. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, ties and offering. This passage might seem a little obscure. Luke eleven forty two says, But woe to you Pharisees. So literally, Jesus is in the middle of rebuking the Pharisees. He says, For you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. I'm like, that's a weird passage to put in tithes and offering. But he just basically, what Jesus is saying, I'm affirming that tithing's good for you. And tithing is good for you. But all the while, as you give, don't forget neglect the people around, like the poor, the needy. Alright, so um, if it is in your heart to stir to give, there's the black box as you exit out of the sanctuary on your left. There's ways to give online, and there's envelopes. Again, and I'll remind you to make the checks out to Grace Lake. But with that, let's stand and sing our closing song.
power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Amen. I received this benediction. Second one. That was the first one. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good blessing that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to him be glory forever and ever. In peace. Thank you for joining us at Grace Lakin. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Grace Lakin KS, on YouTube, and at gracelakin.com. Thank you.